Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is June the 30th, 2021. We're almost halfway through. I think we're exactly halfway through uh, 2021. It's been... Um, uh, to put it mildly, an up and down year. Perhaps in some ways we're on the up now. Uh, it certainly began on a down uh, note. Uh, and on this sh daily show, as it's become, we're always looking for patterns, patterns about the world, patterns uh, particularly about America. Uh, regular listeners and viewers of the show know I have a, a particular interest, I guess, in, 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 in meritocracy, um, or aristocracy, uh, what kind of system we live in in America, who is being rewarded for what, for work, for wealth, for privilege. Uh, we've had a lot of shows about that. We had the uh, American journalist recently, Matt Feeney, on the show. He has a new book, Little Platoons, A Defense of Family in a Competitive Age. Feeney is extremely authoritative on the college admis admissions uh, game, um, he had a, a very influential piece uh, in late May of this year on in the New Yorker, the College Admissions Crucible, which basically suggests the whole thing is a scam. Um, lots of news about real college admissions. Uh, uh, last month, stuff about the Supreme Court hearing uh, a case about affirmative action. What should... Uh, colleges observe and uh, prioritize in terms of applying students. Um, some people believe that colleges should ditch the SAT, others not. Maybe it's the college, though, that's the problem. We had Blake Smith from the university, a historian from the University of Chicago on the show recently, who talked about a, a new quote-unquote meritocracy that's woke, at University of Chicago, at least according to Smith, the kids are being taught to be simultaneously extremely uh, privileged um, and uh, and persecuted. Um, uh, Daniel Markovitz from Yale Law School, we've had on the show recently, also a great critic of the American uh, meritocracy, which he imagines uh, uh, both is a cause and effect in the university. Um, we even had a um, really interesting uh, Trinity College uh, writer, Deverian Baldwin, on the show, arguing recently that universities are plundering our system. So perhaps at the heart of all the problems with America, in terms of its corruption, its self-interest, its hypocrisy, uh, the aristocracy lurking behind the meritocracy, uh, is the university. We have a new book out now, Game On, Why College Admission is Rigged and How to Beat the System. Uh, and we're lucky enough to have the author of that book, uh, Susan F. Paterno. She teaches um, uh, at Chapman University in Southern California. She's also a very experienced journalist, Susan, your new book, I found it very readable and interesting as a parent and as a critic of this so-called meritocracy uh, in the American university system. 
game on why college admission is rigged and how to beat the system uh, why did you choose to write this book at this particular time oh that's a great question andrew i wrote um i wrote about this in the intro to the book i don't know if you had a chance to skim that yeah I not only do i uh did do i um did i read it but i even can put it on the screen i'll quote it very briefly and then you can go over it this book came out of my journey through the college admissions industrial complex, a pilgrimage I've taken with four children over two decades. So you might go on to talk a little bit more about that introduction, Susan. Right, sure, with pleasure. So um, when our third child, when my husband and I uh, were putting our third child through starting high school, we realized that we were still very far off from paying off the $120,000 that we borrowed to put the first through through the University of California. Um, and we sort of panicked a little bit. So I started researching as a parent, the college admissions process. I was such a neophyte that I had no idea the difference between the SAT and the ACT. I didn't know why you would take one over the other. So I started researching it as a parent. And then as I talked to literally hundreds of parents, um, I discovered that they too were panicking. So I wrote the book as a surrogate for all those other panicking parents I talked to and discovered that there's a real hunger for a book that's a public service to help Americans understand this complex system and um, how it impacts actually anyone who wants to get ahead in the United States. So we can talk a little bit more about that idea of meritocracy because I, I agree with you. It's it's really well. Let, let, yeah, let's talk about it, Susan. It seems to me as if the university, on so many levels, uh, both is the cause and effect with everything that's wrong in American system. The, the hypocrisy, <laughs> uh, the the dominance of a liberal elite that benefits from the system and complains all the time. Uh, uh, I know you're an academic, but an academic class that's paid huge amounts of money to essentially do very little, a massive <laughs> bureaucracy that's overpaid, um, and, a, and an increasingly rigid aristocratic system. Am I am I exaggerating here, or is there some truth to it? Well, you know, you do you do identify the problem, but I think in addition to the problem that we we are clearly identifying. Um, higher education can also be the solution, and I think we can't lose sight of that. I think that higher education has much to offer um, to young people to teach them how to think critically so that we can avoid the sort of political gridlock we find ourselves in now. So I think, yeah, of course, you hit the nail on the head with your I'm observations. I'm not sure I buy that. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree that there is value to the university system if it's, if it's a proper system, but given how... Uh, dominantly liberal the universities are, I think, if anything, they're actually compounding our divisions, aren't they? Well, well, it's very interesting that you should say that they're dominantly liberal, right? Because I think that's certainly been conventional wisdom for decades. But I think we, and I, and I, I do get your point, but I think, I, I think we need to look back on, on 40 years of failed free market policies that have remade college and financial aid into a multi-billion dollar industry that basically advantages the wealthy. So if you want to criticize liberalism as the cause of that, I, I'm not sure I agree with you. I think um, I think the real problem is how college has become a profit center. Yeah. So and I take your point. So, so so explain what has happened over the last 40 years. You mentioned at the beginning of the book, you you were an undergraduate at Occidental, another 
very fine liberal arts college um, in Southern California. I think you said that uh, when you went, um, maybe 30, 30 years ago, the uh, the fees were around $5,000 a year. Now they're mm-hmm. up to sixty or 70000 What has mm-hmm. happened in the last 30 or 40 years, Susan? Well, basically, the um, college admissions and financial aid turned into, as I said, a multi-billion dollar industry that advantaged the wealthy. And you, you can go uh, back to Ronald Reagan's policies, his, his free market policies and, and this beginning of cuts to financial aid led to skyrocketing tuition costs and today's student debt crisis. So what I try to do in Game On is I try to decode the secretive world of college admissions and financial aid just for regular people. Uh, people who don't have the means to pay to play, to buy all the goods and services that this this $2 billion industry is selling. Um, for for most of America, it can serve as a play, playbook for what has evolved into the Hunger Games of higher ed. Tell me a little bit about your two kids then. Well, I know you, because you, the, the, the narrative is, is a personal one. The first two both went to UCs. Um, which UCs did they go to? The oldest one went to UC Berkeley, and I think uh, you attended UC Berkeley, did you not? I did. Well, I was thrown out, so I'm not oh. sure. Anyway. Well, oh, my God. I hope you didn't have loans, because if you were thrown out with loans, you still had to pay them back. No, and you didn't get no. Your I went many, many years ago, and I certainly wouldn't have paid to go to university. Um, <laughs> well, they see how lucky me. you are. I only how ever lucky. do anything, Susan, that people pay me to do. Uh, no, you I are a smart do. man, Andrew. And how lucky are you? Because uh, I, I think you're right around my age. So you took advantage of, well, you're from England. So you basically pre-Thatcher, higher education university was free. Um, even in the Not United- only was it free, but they, they, they gave us money to go. So we had a lot of fun. But, but back to your kids. You said one mm-hmm. went to UC Berkeley and the other... UC Santa Cruz. And was it worth it for them? What do they do now? Uh, they they both are very gainfully employed. Um, it, one works for a conservancy and the other one works for um, the, oh gosh, not the Bureau. He just changed jobs. He works for the National Park Service. I'm sorry. So the two older ones are doing very well and their education was relatively inexpensive. U- University of California, you could go out the door for $12,000 a year when, when the older one started. So it was still more expensive than when I was applying to college, but certainly affordable for middle class or upper middle class families. So uh, are you the- blaming, uh, just so back to, and I'm not a, a huge fan of Ronald Reagan, but are you blaming Reagan for this? Are you saying that he deregulated things? No, what happened was at that point in history, uh, Reagan came along at at a time that was very ripe for a man like Reagan, and he preached free market policies. Those free market policies essentially turned college admissions into uh, a a for-profit center. And so you saw the rise of industries that had never existed or were very small prior to Reagan, such as incentivizing student lending, um, play-to-pay admissions, tutors, consultants, all of those industries that, that, that sprung up as a response to the free market policies that Reagan and subsequent, I I don't want to just blame Republicans. This certainly uh, Bill Clinton played a very significant role in incentivizing the student lending industry. 
So I, I'm, I'm talking about free, free market lawmakers that decided that they wanted to apply free market economics to um, university higher education. Did they know what they were doing? Was this a, a conscious plan in your view? Or was this uh, the unintended consequences of uh, quote unquote liberal, liberalizing the market? Well, I mean, I think when you promote policies that promote free market values, it makes it makes perfect sense that industries will spring up to serve um, the sort of liberalized laws that you've created to make it a lot easier for these industries to profit. So. If you're, if you're going to incentivize student lending, right, if you're going to pass laws that make it easy for lenders to make profits off of students, many of whom are teenagers, then you're, you're, it, it just makes sense that you're going to see the corruption that followed in the 90s. It's, it's Susan, just, I don't see the connection, though. You, you said that uh, tuition, for example, has gone up from around 5,000 to around 60,000. So it's essentially gone up 10 or 12 times over the last 20 or 30 years, which is absurd. What's mm -hmm. that got to do with lending practices? Aren't the colleges the uh, ones who, who set the fees? That is a great question. Um, that has to do with the way that um, Reagan and then Clinton decided that they were going to and I don't, when you asked the question that you asked before, was this deliberate? I don't think anyone set out to harm students and create a debt crisis. I'm not, I, I would, I'm not suggesting that. But what I am saying is that they were not pressured enough to see how these laws that they passed would impact the students. So essentially in the 90s, what you have is you have the government backing private lenders. So the private lenders then wanted to uh, attract more business. So they went out and recruited financial aid officers to persuade students to take on their loans. So all this was happening at the same time that rankings became uh, dominant in the way higher education economics um, was changing. And so student, so colleges needed to boost their rankings and to boost their rankings, they needed to become a more attractive students. They needed to attract more students and that costs money. So the more money they spent, the more money they needed. So they raised tuition. Yeah, I have to say this isn't very convincing. I mean, still ultimately the responsibility of raising raising prices is the university. It's got nothing to do with yes. lenders or Reagan or Clinton. No, 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 no. You're not, I thought, I'm sorry, Andrew, but I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying. So what essentially happened is when US News and World Report rankings came out, the entire economics of higher education changed. All of a sudden, and it- When and they did they come out, by the way? Because I always thought they existed. I remember when I applied to Berkeley in the, um, in the early 80s, there were rankings. In the mid 80s, yes, that's when US News started, but it did not really take off with any kind of powerful surge until the 90s. And that's when colleges, and they didn't want to. Many colleges, if you read the book, and in Game On, I explain this very thoroughly. If you read the book, you see how college presidents tried to resist this. They tried to resist quantifying education because honestly, the rankings never quantified what's important about education, and that's learning. And, and, and how do you quantify learning? It could never be done. 
So essentially what they did is they quantified things that they were able to get data for. So they became a huge data collecting um, industry. And that put pressure on colleges. Now colleges had to meet these standards, meet these rankings. Parents looked at the rankings and said, I, if I'm gonna spend this much money, I want my kid to go to a high ranked college. So the only way they could boost their rankings was to spend more money. The only way to spend more money was to bring in more money. So what they ended up doing was jacking up their prices for tuition. At the same time, the government was incentivizing lending, private lenders, to go out and recruit students to take out more loans. And that is the genesis. That is the beginning of the student loan crisis that we're seeing today. But it still, it still doesn't explain where the money goes. So, so if, if, if the universities have raised their prices by 10 or 12 times, where is that money going? Is it going to professors? Is it going to yes. professional bureaucrats? Is it yes. going to putting buildings <laughs> up? Yes. <laughs> and in Game On, I talk about all this, all of the above. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, we now have luxury campuses. They adopted luxury retailing um, strategies. We have million dollar, multi-million dollar college presidents. We have celebrity faculty. We have uh, water parks on campuses. Um, so the, the, there, was, there was a lot of money, there was a lot of spending, not necessarily on the, um, the not necessarily on learning, shall we say. So it's a rotten system, Susan. The, the, what, what you're describing is something that's gone really bad. Universities, which are supposed to be, uh, in ideal terms at least, places of learning, of wisdom, of enlightenment, have become a mirror of everything that's gone wrong with free market economics and, and politics in this country? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's just a, a mirror of a larger systemic problem that we all need to confront and face. Um, you know, healthcare, there's, we don't have adequate health. I mean, you come from England, you have the National Health Service in England, right? We, we are still grappling with how to deal with so many uh, Americans who have no healthcare. Um, you come from England where higher education is subsidized. We still have very poorly subsidized higher education. Prior, I will say, prior to Reagan, um, many public colleges were highly subsidized. Much of the tuition uh, for public colleges was subsidized. I personally benefited from that. You benefited from it going to Berkeley. Uh, so we have a model that we can draw on if we want to change some of this going forward. So I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm optimistic about the future. I, I think we can change this situation for the better. Who do we have to convince? Though? Is it university bureaucrats to put their prices down? Do there need to be laws that don't allow uh, universities to continually jack up their prices? Well, you know, you, you do have a very odd model here in higher education. You have the private colleges and you have the public colleges. So if you really want to make a uh, change, you need to put pressure on lawmakers to make public college tuition affordable once again. That has to happen. And the private colleges, well, we're, cap we're capitalists, right, Andrew? I mean, we can't tell private industry how they should run their businesses. That's just not what we do in America. And so the only way to really get leverage on or to try to contain this problem is to elect lawmakers who are going to commit themselves to affordable public education once again. Uh, talking about um, state education, uh, you see now uh, there were some headlines in the LA Times earlier this week 
they're going to reduce uh, out-of-state admissions and add more Californians. I assume that's the kind of reform that you would like to see, where uh, local California students are again have more access to the universities, because of course, out-of-state students pay full right. whack, whereas California students don't. Exactly. That is a very good step in the right direction. I, I think University of Alabama is a great example of what's not so good. Um, University of Alabama takes more uh, out-of-state people than their own in-state. So you have, an out, you have a system that favors out-of-state uh, students in, in, and, and neglects its own student population. And, and that's not the only state uh, that does that. So it is a very difficult problem to solve because each state determines how it's going to rent, run its state university system. Uh, so we, we as voters need to put pressure on lawmakers to start looking at this as a serious problem and start making changes so that higher education is affordable to those students who really do need it to either stay in the middle class or move from a, a move for, move up the ladder, shall we say? Um, Susan, you mentioned earlier that that these are private colleges, but they're not for profit. They're non profit. No, so, they're non profit. Yes, yes. So they're not the, the whole point of a a, a a private college like Stanford raising their prices is not to is not to make more money. Is that correct? No, but you, okay, so another thing in the book that I talk about um, at length is is the difference between, say, a Stanford and a lot of the other colleges. There's about a dozen colleges in the nation who promise to charge families only what they can afford to pay without loans, a 12 out of 2,500. So part of the raising of the prices is what I call in the book Robin Hood prices. That's to say for those colleges that are providing the best need-based financial aid for their students, there has to be a critical mass of full payers to subsidize that. So when you see prices going up at a place like Stanford or Harvard or Yale, those colleges are some of the most affordable colleges in the nation. They're more affordable. It was cheaper for us to send our children to Harvard than to University of California. Well, because Harvard can cover the, uh, exactly. Harvard has the money to to pay students exactly. to come if they want them. Yes. Uh, in this conversation, of course, everyone will think of Operation Varsity Blues, the scandal. Now that they made a movie about it on on Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, the scandal that that hit USC. How um, how uh, symbolic is that? Is that really just an absurd sort of Hollywood style story, or is this does, does the USC scandal, the Operation Varsity Blues, does it really speak to how rotten the system is, Susan? Well, my, I argue that I think it's 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 great schadenfreude. Don't get me wrong. That Netflix, uh, they, they I don't know if you watched it, but they literally took the transcripts of, of the wiretapping and made that the dialogue for the movie. It was it was it was pretty compelling. But it's just it's really a distraction, really. Let's let's face it. I mean, who can afford to pay that kind of money to um, to, uh, you know, to to get your kid into college? I mean, there's so few people who can pay that kind of money. It's it just distracts us from the larger problem, which is what has happened to college admissions and fin financial aid in this country. Um, the bigger problem is affordability. It's not access. 
Most right. colleges accept two thirds of their students. Um, the problem is paying for it, not getting in. What about whether it's really worth it? Your, 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 your book is about how to beat the system. Should people be trying to, to get into college, even if they get a degree of financial aid? Should anyone be borrowing to go to college? Wouldn't they be better just to get a job? Now, that is another great question. Nowadays, it's it, that the whole borrowing issue has become so uh, complicated because the government, in the wake of these corruption scandals um, and the 2008 economic meltdown, decided to restrict student lending. So student lending, subsidized student lending, what, what I like to call good debt, has been restricted to something like $23,000 over four years, which pays nothing of a college degree. So what, what, uh, what the, these free market lawmakers have done is they've incentivized parents to take the loans now. So you see parents putting off their retirement to put their kids through college. So going back to your question, should you borrow to go to college? Good debt is subsidized loan debt. So if all you take out is the subsidized loan debt or at maximum what you expect to earn in your first year out of college, that is a, a worthwhile investment. So you have this sort of duality. You, you have a situation where every study shows that the most secure way to move ahead in the United States of America is a college degree. But there are so few ways to get an affordable college degree. So you have this catch-22 that we have not solved in this nation and that we really need to start thinking about and start having this national conversation about how do we improve the lives of the majority of Americans and also regain um, our workforce as an economic engine. And that's yeah, what we know, Susan, that people have been talking about that for years. It's never going to happen and it never will happen. Um, it did happen. Andrew, I disagree with you. Absolutely. It did happen post-World War II. Post yeah, but everyone always goes back to post World War oh, II. That's oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. And Andrew. that was a unique situation because the war no, just no, no. had been a huge war, a world uh, war. In which... um, uh, I'm just saying that there were plenty of people in the 70s, myself included, many people of color, many, many women who really did, uh, were really able to take advantage of policies that allowed us low cost excellent, affordable college degrees. And that wasn't that long ago. That was my lifetime. That was your lifetime. Fair enough. Um, so <laughs> let's, uh, so, so the system's rigged, it's rotten, but there are ways as your, as, as your excellent book suggests to beat the system. Very briefly, Susan, what are the other models in addition to, 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 to learning your way around the, the borrowing world of, of finance? What else should both parents and students be thinking of in terms of beating this system, coming out of university, getting into a decent university without a huge amount of debt? Well, I think the first thing is choose your college with affordability in mind, right? And um, hey, if you can get into one of those colleges that promise to uh, only charge you what you can afford to pay without loans, then that would be a great thing. Um, state colleges and universities, that uh, uh, that are affordable are a great way. So you need to you need to frame, and I talk about how to do this in the book. You need to frame your search by by starting um, with affordability, right? That is the perfect fit you're looking for. So again, uh, if you're going to take debt, take on good debt. 
only subsidize loans that the that loans that the government subsidize and only as much as you can afford or how much you think that you are going to earn in your first year out. So that would be one thing to do when you're looking for colleges, look for colleges that are prioritizing learning and relationships with faculty and that, that, um, that really do put a, a big um, emphasis on teaching critical thinking. These are all things that should drive the college search. Well, isn't that given? Every university says they do that, but we don't know whether they do or don't. How That's do right. You out? don't know. You have to find out by talking to students who go there, by calling faculty before you enroll and having conversations with them. These are all things that good universities, good colleges will let students do. But the problem is parents, families, they don't know this. And that's why I wrote the game on, because I, I really did write it as a public service to give families the information that I, even as a college professor, did not have putting four kids through college. Yeah, I, I accept that. But uh, we, we've got, um, we've got uh, Adrian Waldridge uh, on the show in a couple of weeks. He has a new book out, The Aristocracy of Talent, How Meritocracy Made the Modern World. How are we going to make the system more meritocratic, Susan? Well, um, we I do talk about this. And you had George Packer on, uh, I think, not so long ago, right? Yeah, we had George Packer. I mean, everyone's talking about this same issue right. of right. more and right. more inequality in America, more and more of an aristocracy of of um of of, of economic uh you know the, it's not the one percent it's the 10 or the 15 percent right um, and i think yeah i think that i mean he talked very eloquently about how you know we've diluted that uh, we believe that that successful americans use their brilliance and grit to get ahead when in fact most have really benefited from luck and inherited wealth and and what i i hate to use you know rigged is kind of loaded but this system that promises to deliver far more than it has and it's what what Packer describes as the smart America now that is in charge that that annoying technocratic aristocracy that's kind of um, you know running running our lives. So how do you how do you deal with that? Is that the question? How how do we? Well, I mean, I'm finally, sure. Susan. I mean, we've 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 you've apportioned the blame uh, politically, but what about the responsibility of both faculty? university teachers like yourself and uh, university administrators, don't they have a role here in trying to fix the system from within? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I have to tell you, I've been teaching for a couple decades and the, the administrative bloat has gotten absolutely out of hand. So what we have now are 15 administrators for every faculty member. And what we really should be focusing on and what colleges should prioritize is teaching, honestly, I mean, we have a research universities are essential, but most students go to college to, to learn and, and to learn from faculty. And we don't place enough emphasis in colleges and universities on teaching and, and forming relationships with faculty members and that mentoring that goes on. So absolutely, I agree 100 percent. Colleges do bear the blame. Part of the blame for this as well. I mean, they've played the game. And now they're having to really um, own up to the fact that they're they're somewhat responsible for the situation we now find ourselves in. Well, life is a big game and a, not a not a fair game. It's rigged, according to Susan F. Paterno. Game on: Why college admission is rigged and how to beat the system. A very useful book for people trying to beat the system. It's also an important book to understand why 
the system has got so rotten. So I think it's it's an essential book to look at. Um, uh, uh, Susan, in addition to your book in these strange times, well, we're not sure whether we're allowed out anymore. Um, what else should people be reading? Well, okay, I just want to give a plug for National Theater at Home. I've been rewatching all the great studies in power of Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. I'm a big Shakespeare fan. Um, so anything Shakespeare, uh, uh, Coriolanus, Macbeth, Othello. So those are all always on my night table. And I'm also reading um, Testosterone Rex by Cortelia Fine. I don't know if you have had no, her on I haven't the show, heard of that book. What's it about? Myths of Sex, Science, and Society, which is very interesting. And anything by Jill Lepore. As I said, we talked about that uh, briefly before the show, um, Andrew. I, I'm a big fan of Jill Lepore's as well. So, mm. Well, we, uh, we, we've talked to Jill Lepore's people about getting her on the show, and we will do at some point. But uh, for the moment, Susan F. Paterno, author of Game On. Again, as I said, a really good book, really interesting, provocative, important books, useful, and it's also philosophical. Thank you so much. Keep well, and we'll have you back on the show again, Susan, Great. to talk about how we can blow up the convention, but the contemporary university. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Andrew. Have a great day.